Tea Macintosh and Mod haven't seen what? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we watched Gandhi. The life of the lawyer who became the famed leader of the Indian revolts against British rule through his philosophy of non-violent protest. Yeah, getting some history here today. We definitely are getting some history, although I will say some very one-sided history. Sure. This is one of the rare cases where the context will actually make you like the movie less. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I say that knowing that I won't grade the movie based on that. Sure. Because this really is a beautifully put together movie. I mean, it is an epic Mm -hmm. by the very traditional standard of the word. And yet at three hours and 15 minutes, I didn't feel bored. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mostly just had more questions because, again, as we've established very well, Diana knows nothing about history. And actually, (laughs) I've seen this movie before. I know. Um, When I, this was actually like the week before exams where we're doing nothing movie that my geography teacher put on. And, you know, it just was, (laughs) of course, everyone made some insensitive comments. High school is a travesty. Yeah. But like, so I remember seeing it. I definitely didn't pay attention to it because I was either doodling or reading a book. I was not watching the movie. So, <laughs> but, so like I've seen it, but like, do I remember what happened? No. So yeah. <laughs> and, and for me, it's baffling why I hadn't gotten to it till now. Mm-hmm. And it's always been one on my list sure, because of what a big deal it was. As a film. Sure. I think the three hours is a part of it. <laughs> uh, that was never for I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. I never knew it was that long a movie. I didn't realize that either. I have to put it this way, is that I, I have to go ahead and say now that my grade is not going to be contingent about what I know about this movie. Sure. And so while I think there's a much better and nuanced and interesting movie to make about this man. Mm -hmm. This is a very good movie and you can still really respect it as a film if you recognize that it is getting at the core of a philosophy Mm -hmm. far more than it is the actual history of the man involved. Sure. And what I want to say is that there is a title card at the beginning of the film that kind of doesn't state that, but it just talks about like, we can't do everything perfectly to depict someone's life, which I thought was like, yeah, that's what every biopic is. Like, it's not going to be perfect. They're going to take some dramatic liberties. Um, and if you weren't there, you can't say yes or no, this didn't happen. Um, so it was just interesting. I, I appreciated that going into it being like, all right. Just for posterity, that opening disclaimer is, quote, no man's life can be encompassed in one telling. There is no way to give each year its allotted weight to include each event, each person who helped to shape a lifetime. What can be done is to be faithful in spirit to the record and try to find one's way into the heart of the man, unquote. Yeah, I think that's a perfect thing to put before uh, many biopics, not all, but many. I think it's very good. I think it does that. However... Mm-hmm. I also think that based on the history and some digging into this, that 
they missed some of the heart as well of who Gandhi really was. Hmm. Okay. So let's let's get into it. The budget for this movie was $22 million. Ooh, okay. Now, that seems small, given the scope of what we're doing here. Sure. But it was a pretty massive effort to get even that kind of funding for this story. Globally, it grossed $52,750,000. Oh, okay. Which, for a movie like this, which is more almost an event more than a movie, Sure. Like, you have to steal yourself. The fact that it was that massive a success tells you something about it. Mm -hmm. And I will say, it makes... One thing that we have to say in favor of this movie is it makes Gandhi accessible to an audience. Yes, it does. It, It distills enough of the story down because the man did so, so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many writings and events and... You know, we, we, we see the fasts here, but he did that throughout his lifetime in various different moments mm-hmm. in the growth towards independence in India. You know, he's had all, he had all sorts of growth throughout his time. You know, he really is a philosopher as much as he is an activist. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much that you would have to cover that the fact that they put a through line and got us through it is pretty amazing. <laughs> yes. Now, this movie was in development for 20 years. Oh, jeez. Richard Attenborough, who we will talk about a little bit more as we go along, received a call from an Indian civil servant, Motilai Jatari, who worked with the Indian High Commission in London. Katari was a devout follower of Gandhi and mm-hmm. was convinced that Richard Attenborough would be the perfect person to tell his story in film. Hmm. Attenborough then read a biography uh, written by Lewis Fisher, and agreed with Motilai. He said, yes, this is a fascinating story, and I would love to tell his story. Mm-hmm. But then it kept you know, being a thing. Nobody wanted to fund it. Okay. Like, no big company wanted to finance it. And I kind of understand that. Okay, so you want us to fund a three-and-a-half-hour movie mm-hmm. about a man in a culture which is just baffling to so many Westerners. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're expecting a U.S. audience and a U.S. movie studio to get the money behind this. A man whose life story is honestly probably better read than seen because his writings tell the story of how he developed this philosophy and the pitfalls and the trials of it. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah. I can I can imagine a studio exec not even being like bad but just looking at the numbers going this makes no sense for us to front this kind of money sure attenborough met with the prime minister of india who is a character in this film jawaharlal Mm -hmm. nehru and mohandas gandhi's daughter mahatma gandhi's daughter indira along with the final viceroy of india lord mountbatten who is briefly portrayed in this film (laughs) lord mountbatten and nehru approved of the filming and planning but he died in 1964 And that succeeded a whole chain of things that delayed the film. Um, There was a huge political unrest when Indira Gandhi, who was not related to Mahatma Gandhi, became prime minister. She was actually the daughter of Nehru. Hmm. There was a whole political upheaval, which we'll kind of get into when we talk about the history. Mm -hmm. But a lot went down to prevent this movie from getting made. Nehru did tell Attenborough at one point, do not deify Gandhi. 
He is too great a man to be given the status of a god. There are many historians and critics who think Attenborough completely lost that Fred and did the exact opposite. Mm. And near deifies him in this movie. And I will say, out of all of the criticisms, I agree with that one. Hmm. I don't know if you feel that. I do a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't know how you don't deify him. I don't know enough about him outside of this film that would lead me to be like, well, they didn't show this thing that he did or this thing that like, I don't know enough. I personally don't think that he's godlike, but I understand why people would believe him to be that way. But yeah, like, I don't know enough about his life outside of what's depicted in this film to be like, okay, well, you didn't, you needed to add this. So, well, let's talk about that. Shall okay. We? okay. <laughs> Look, we're doing a history episode. I want to get into some of the history. And sure. it's a lot. I think probably one of the biggest things here is that because there are so many moving pieces in the struggle for Indian independence, mm -hmm. that Gandhi is such an iconic figure, and it's very easy to reduce everything just to that single figure. Sure. It's so much bigger and so much more complicated. And Gandhi as a person. And especially his views were so much more complicated than what's portrayed in this film. Mm -hmm. This is one of those stories that if you are going to make him human, you do need to talk about his flaws. Sure. Gandhi's philosophies and his struggle was very narrowly focused. Mm -hmm. In many ways, his beliefs were just as racist as many of the time. Mm -hmm. This really comes through in his time in South Africa. His tactic is portrayed as this awakening moment, right, mm -hmm. in the movie. In reality, his whole idea in South Africa was that he wanted a separate entrance for Indians, Europeans, and black people. Mm -hmm. Okay. He was upset that the Indians were considered, quote, classed with the natives of South Africa, unquote. Mm. I venture to point out that the English and the Indians spring from a common stock called the Indo-Aryan. This belief serves as the basis of operations of those who are trying to unify the hearts of two races, which are legally and outwardly bound together under a common flag. So, I, I do want to point out here that this is not uncommon from any other educated person <laughs> sure. in the 1890s or the 1900s. But what it really gets down to is that he was very narrowly focused on his people. Sure. And he's quite often lionized as, you know, championing human rights for all when it was like, mm. that's not what he was about. <laughs> no. The other thing that, that really doesn't get explored in this movie at all is the fact that his devotion to nonviolence, it, it's, it's flirted with a bit, mm -hmm. but his devotion to nonviolence was so deep that it would really, really make you cringe at certain things. Mm -hmm. You know, we see him portrayed as being very disappointed in Muhammad Ali Jinnah joining alongside the British in World War II mm -hmm. because, you, you know, he's, he's working with the imperialists. Problem is, it's, it's a war against fascism. Yeah. The British war in World War II, at whatever you want to say about how terrible they were, that war was good. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm not going to offer the quotes, but his view of the Holocaust really centered that nonviolence in a way that feels 
really bracing and difficult to swallow. Sure. It's such a cultish devotion to that principle that sure. he had that the movie does a disservice to not explore the limits of that. Sure. And, and that's that may not be this movie. That might be a different movie that needs to be made. But sure. there's something very fascinating about you're so principled in this that you're willing to like put down the resistance of others in different ways. Sure. He he was willing to say, well, all these other resistance movements are bad because they don't follow nonviolence. And it was mm-hmm. like, um, it's not how it always works. <laughs> it's not always possible. It has to work in different ways in different places. And I the movie, again, just doesn't ever touch on that. Mm-hmm. There's other complications here. I mean, first of all, they they touch on Janah as being a total villain when, in fact, he's just as devoted to the cause of independence as Gandhi was. Mm-hmm. It's just that he founded Pakistan mm. because he wanted a separate state for Muslims. Okay. And he was rightfully concerned that a Hindu nationalist population was going to turn against Muslims, as it has. Yeah. That's another thing that's really become apparent recently the ruling party in India has its roots in the people that assassinated Gandhi. Yes, I could, I could figure that out. Yeah, the, the Hindu nationalist movement built out of Gandhi, and Gandhi was a nationalist, mm-hmm. but in a very narrow literal scope of that word. His whole thing was just independence sure, and how we're going to achieve it. But out of that movement for independence came a creeping fascist tendency Mm -hmm. to what is now, by many accounts, a really struggling state. And and I want to be really careful because we're not in India. It's, again, this politics goes on for decades and decades and struggles and Mm -hmm. conflict. And so I I don't want to do that. It's more just to point out that his legacy and him as a person is so complicated. That to put him in a movie where you solely focus on him as the hero is a problem. It's compounded by the fact that it's pretty widely reported a third of the budget of this movie was provided by the Indian government. Hmm. So there's a lot of people who consider this propaganda. I don't think that's unfair. And I think that colors how you see the movie. (laughs) Again, it's going to come from different perspectives. I think the movie's successful, but I think it could go so much further. Yeah. That being said, I don't think there's a movie or a television miniseries that is ever going to be able to accurately reflect all of the stuff going on. No. This is stuff you have to study and steep in and like read a whole bunch to get the point across. You know, I'm I'm pulling from like a handful of articles here just to get this idea. Mm-hmm. But I do, th- I, I, I do think it's good to know that it's just like, he's not the greatest hero. And Nehru was absolutely right in telling Attenborough, please don't make him a god. Yeah. Because he's so much richer as a, of a person than that. Mm-hmm. And his legacy is so much richer than that. If you make him a god, you're just going to sanitize and strip away all of the struggle and development he went through as an activist and a philosopher. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do think that they show an evolution a little bit with him. Yeah. Um, it's not like today, 
let's just ask for what we want and then let's be back. like it, it there's a progression yeah and that's nice yeah it, it it does color it a little bit for me and it i guess i just wonder could you have suggested a few more of those things i know it's 1982 i know you've it's taken you forever to even try to tell the story mm-hmm. but if you're making this now you definitely have to like think through some of that and I think you can still tell an incredibly redemptive story of Gandhi while still mixing in some of those early things where he was clearly mistaken. Yeah. And then have him reckon with that. Sure. It's hard when you are also making a movie where you are trying to honor the culture. And ultimately, this falls into that great man category of history where it's just like, it's never that simple. It's no. never about one person. No, and we have this issue with Lincoln as well. Um, yes. Just like, you know, there was more to that, and it was messier. It was way messier. This one doesn't navel gaze nearly as much. No, I think where Lincoln did a really good job is they focused on a very tiny part of his life. Yes. And, and, and I, I'm oversimplifying with the tiny part, but a, a very specific moment in time. A narrow window, yeah. Yes, and I think... Here, they're trying to show his his whole public life, which is <laughs> very vast. Um, I think if you got a little more into some of it, then it becomes a very political film. Then it becomes all about the negotiations and those conversations. And that's just a completely different movie. Not that it wouldn't be interesting, but that is a different movie. I feel like the aim of this movie is to show why he was so important to India. Yeah. And the and and the world truly, as opposed to only showing, you know, who and what he did, but more of like this is why he was so important. Yeah, I mean, there there is a reason that Martin Luther King Jr. frequently cited Mohandas Gandhi as one of his greatest influences. Mm-hmm. The civil rights movement was predicated on many of the same techniques and procedures. Here. Sure. Not everyone agreed with that statement and that style of activism, and we've told we've seen it where it works, and we've seen it where it doesn't work. All this to come around to the fact that the movie really does capture the essence of his ideas and his sure. philosophy, but it might not quite get at the man himself. Okay. So a few more notes about the financing of the movie. Um, Attenborough then scraped together a bunch of other sources to try to find the money for this. Mm-hmm. He directed A Bridge Too Far and a horror movie about a ventriloquist dummy called Magic. Okay. Which I am fascinated by as a premise. He took the money from that and poured it into this. He took some from a friend, had no support from the BBC, so got the remainder from major companies in England, which, you know, l- lest we forget, many of the people involved in the colonization of India were still in the government while he's making this film. Of course. And he sold his share of rights in Britain's longest-running play, The Mousetrap, in order to help finance. Wow, okay. So Attenborough poured everything into this movie. And I guess that does have to be be pointed out. In 1982, it's still a touchy subject if you're going to make a British film about India. Sure. To get some of the British people on board. Sure. So the fact that a very British man is like, I'll make that movie. The most British man. That's pretty impressive Yeah. for 1982. Today, it would be like, roll your eyes. Can we please have somebody from India make this fucking movie? Yes. But then, 
you know, it took them 20 years just to get to this point. Yeah. So, wow. And despite some foibles, they managed to land it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into what we do like about the movie very, very much. Mm -hmm. And we will start with the writing. Mm. Our main credited writer is John Briley. Before this, he wrote Children of the Damned, Pope Joan, and Enigma. After this, he wrote Cry Freedom and Molokai. Okay. We have an uncredited writer Mm -hmm. by the name of Robert Bolt. He is a very outstanding playwright and screenwriter. Before this, he wrote Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Zhivago, A Man for All Seasons, Ryan's Daughter, and Lady Caroline Lamb. After this, he wrote The Bounty and The Mission. I've seen none of those, but I've heard of them. Big, huge, sweeping historical epics. Yeah. He made his name on those. He wrote the play A Man for All Seasons Mm. before he wrote the screenplay for it later. This is a man who understands how to tell a big, long story. Yeah, clearly. Well, great, because he did a good job. Yep. His script, once it was done, was not the right fit for the movie they were doing once they Mm -hmm. got to the point of filming, but it gave them that solid bedrock to work from Mm -hmm. for Briley to come in and be like, okay, now we're going to make it watchable. (laughs) It's not going to be a 1960s epic anymore, put it that way. Fair. So what do we think of the writing? I think it's very good. It's able to be really quiet while also allowing Gandhi to be funny i don't know if he was a funny gentleman in person oh he was well i i I don't know anything to the contrary but gandhi in this film had a sense of humor about he's just shown as as a man who can look at the situation be like this is ridiculous and you know that and i'm gonna call it out as plainly as can be it's that very dry humor that is uh can be very endearing so, yeah, I, I really love that because you don't expect that in a biopic at all. You mentioned Lincoln. It's kind of that same vibe. Hmm. Like, I, I know that that movie, mm-hmm. and, and I think this is where I find some faults in this movie is the, in the directing, but the writing was so solid in Lincoln mm-hmm. of making Lincoln human. This movie, yeah. the writing makes Gandhi human. Yes. It makes him a full person. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, he's not just this living God walking among people. There's a specific reason why he's doing these things. Why is he spinning thread? It's like, yeah, he's going to walk around wearing rags, but he's doing it because he's not going to let the British imperialist industry take over his people. Yeah. He's like, the only way we can fight them is under the radar against their pocketbooks and against their their interests that's what they're gonna pay attention to which is absolutely right because they're a fucking empire (laughs) and the writing specifically captures the understanding of how the tactic fit the moment sure now i think later on gandhi's tactics didn't always fit that moment sure but by that point he also understood the power he wielded they Mm -hmm. tell a story about the fact you know the the fast in the middle of the movie that we see Mm -hmm. where we see him very weak and kind of hurt. And it was like, he ended the Muslim Hindu violence in a day. One day of fasting was all it took for everyone to be like, nope, we're done. This man cannot die. Yep. And, you know, later on, four days, six days, it, uh, just less than a week of him sitting saying, I won't eat anything was enough to make even the most fevered activists 
ready to commit violence, be like, no, not for him. We'll stop everything for him. So down the road, he definitely gave into that. But there's so much about it where he's like, he's doing the calculation, Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to figure out what is it that's going to actually get their attention Mm -hmm. to decide that it's not worth it to try to be in charge of this country anymore. Yeah. Like other countries, ours will have its problems. But they will be ours, not yours. How do you propose to make them yours? You don't think we're just going to walk out of India? Yes. In the end, you will walk out. Because 100,000 Englishmen simply cannot control 350 million Indians if those Indians refuse to cooperate. And that is what we intend to achieve. Peaceful, non-violent, non-cooperation till you yourself see the wisdom of leaving your excellency. Yeah, like, how do we make it so that we're not worth the trouble to you? And, you know, like I said, it was a tactic that in that moment was perfect. Mm -hmm. It's just questionable as to whether it's always perfect. Fair. The, The writing does such a great job there. Like, on paper, everything about this works. And I think it's the directing when it just feels a little gauzy, a little sappy at times. Sure. Sometimes it takes out the like harshness, the sting, or the barb of the joke. I was like, this joke should be way funnier. I hope I agree with that. I think I there are a couple of times where, I, I don't know, I just felt like the jokes were very subtle and also endearing. Yeah. So, and that was good. I don't feel like they ever took me out of the moment. So if you had a joke hit harder than maybe it would have. That's fair. That's fair. Well, let's talk about our director. It's Hammond and Earth Guy. It's Richard Attenborough. Earth Guy? He did Planet Earth. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that makes sense. That's his whole fucking thing now. I know that, but we're just saying <laughs> Earth Guy. I'm like, what are you talking about? I, it was fun to call him Earth Guy. He's not Earth Guy. It's Hammond. <laughs> and the guy who sounds like the man from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Before this, Richard Attenborough did direct some movies. He actually Mm -hmm. did some stuff. He did Oh, What a Lovely War, Young Winston, and A Bridge Too Far. After this, he directed A Chorus Line, Cry Freedom, Chaplin, Shadowlands, and In Love and War. Wait, he did Chaplin? Yes, he directed Chaplin. So what do we think of Richard Attenborough's directing of this movie? I think it's very good. I think it's good. I think it's a little hokey and cheesy at times. How so? It just feels like he lets some moments be sort of epic sweeping things for the sake of being epic and sweeping. Mm-hmm. And not so much just to get the scope of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of talk about a very specific scene in this movie. And it happens at the very beginning. And I'm like, nothing about this made me feel like it was ep- feel the actual scope of this funeral scene. Like, I didn't feel the giant weight of that scene in that moment. Well, I think because they start with it. That doesn't help. I think that's interesting. I think what we see at the end does feel that way. But even so, there's just, it feels sentimental the way he's directed it Mm -hmm. at times when I wish it was a little more blunt or not even blunt, just a more matter of fact. Mm Mm-hmm. There's some times where he's really directing it like a 1960s epic. Mm-hmm. And I understand the purpose behind that, but there's a lot of it where I go, it makes such a bigger deal here, though, if you don't do that. 
And I know, again, it was such an effort to even get it fucking made that he had to probably make tons of concessions on how he might portray certain things. Mm-hmm. But it still just leaves a little bit of that. This feels a little wishy-washy when it could have been more direct in its storytelling. I just, I, I don't agree. Hmm. Um, I, I don't think you're wrong about it coming off as a little sentimental, but I don't think that's a bad thing because there are moments that are meant to be that way. And I think maybe the sentimentality is like, we lost this man. Like he was such a gift and we lost him because of those gifts. So yeah, I, I, maybe it is a little sentimental, but I don't see that as a bad thing. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. I don't hate that. Hmm. One fun note, after announcing the film, Attenborough held a press conference in Delhi for the Indian media. Okay. They, of course, had many, many concerns about how Gandhi was going to be depicted, because even in India, he was considered a near deity. Fair. So, you know, he's so hugely regarded in the country. At one point, a female journalist suggested that Gandhi should be shown only as a brilliant white light moving across the screen. Um, that would be a choice. Attenborough getting frustrated snapped, Madam, I am not making a film about bloody Tinkerbell. <laughs> fair. <laughs> I mean, fair. I understand both of those perspectives. Sure. He's too he's too good to show. He just that's how amazing he was. He's a bright bright light. And it's just like, if I do that, people will think it's Tinkerbell. <laughs> like, I told I I yes, I completely understand. I think he tried really hard to fulfill the one tenet that Nehru gave him uh-huh. somehow. And, and I, it may not be him as director. It might be the editing. And I, I almost think that the issue here is that because they're telling such a big story and they don't want it to drag, they cut it to bare essentials. Mm-hmm. But by cutting it to bare essentials, you missed the nuance of that humanity. And when it was all put together, it still lifted him up in that way. <laughs> I just, there's something about it that it's like you had to distill it. And when you distill it like that, you lose all of the other wrinkles that are there that really make his life so fascinating. Mm -hmm. That might be it. That might be it. I don't know. Well, there is one who could have been better. Oh. Because after completing The Bridge on the River Kwai, director David Lean and producer Sam Spiegel planned on making a movie about Gandhi. Mm hmm. They wanted it to star Alec Guinness. What? We are going to get into this with the Who Could Have Been Betters. Throughout the production history of this, there were a lot of white people who were considered for this role. Mm-hmm. I understand when you're looking at producers and you have to give a bankable star, that comes up. It's stupid, and and it's such a relief that they did not wind up doing that. Mm-hmm. But still... They, they were definitely considering it. And David Lean wanted to, after making that masterful movie, wanted to tell Gandhi's story. But instead, he went on to tell a different story. He did Lawrence of Arabia. Wow. Yes. And thus Attenborough received a phone call setting forth the motion of events for this movie. Okay. Okay. David Lean would have also done great justice, but we would have lost out on the immense amazing talent of our main actor mm-hmm. who is the truly transcendent amazing part of this fucking movie for me mm. it is ben 
Kingsley playing Mahatma Gandhi. This is Ben Kingsley's feature film debut. It is? He had only done British television and theater before this. Oh my goodness. I didn't realize that. He had never done a feature like this. We are seeing so many debuts this series. This I know. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. After this, he was in Betrayal, Harem, Maurice, Without a Clue, Slipstream, The Children, Bugsy, Sneakers, Dave, Searching for Bobby Fisher, Schindler's List, Death and the Maiden, Species, Twelfth Night, The Assignment, The Confession, What Planet Are You From, Rules of Engagement, Sexy Beast, AI Artificial Intelligence, Tuck Everlasting, House of Sand and Fog, Thunderbird, Suspect Zero, Blood Rain, Lucky Number Slevin, The Wackness, Elegy, War Inc., The Love Guru, Shutter Island, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, Hugo, Noah, The Dictator, Iron Man 3, Ender's Game, Exodus, Gods and Kings, Night at the Museum, Secret of the Tomb, The Jungle Book from 2016, War Machine, and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm. What do we think of Ben Kingsley in this movie? I, he, he's a phenomenal. I must say, I'm always a fan of Ben Kingsley when I see him in a film. His character in Shang-Chi is just, was the happiest surprise ever. (laughs) He might come across as one of those stuffy British actors, but he's not. And he has a very good sense of humor about himself. He's phenomenal in this. And he, the resemblance to the real Gandhi is uncanny. It it really is. He's he's fabulous. He just is. He's channeling everything about it. And and what's fascinating to me is Ben Kingsley is not known to be that kind of methody actor. Mm -mm. He's not known to be like super diving into roles, though he definitely did his research for this movie and Mm -hmm. really tried to get to know the culture. He's not the kind of actor who really just like tries to immerse themselves in the role. And nonetheless, he is utterly channeling something completely outside of himself in this role Mm -hmm. i mean again he is the only constant through this whole fucking movie and you are glued to the television the Mm -hmm. whole time the whole time you're watching it you're just like my god without him this movie doesn't work and and i'll say that about all of these who could have been betters that we're going to name and there's a lot Mm -hmm. and they're all great actors And none of them can do what he pulls off here because there's something so subtle, so thoughtful and so crafted about what he's doing on screen in every moment. Every part of it feels exactly the right choice. None of it feels wasted, Mm -hmm. especially because Gandhi was such an intentional man. All of his performance just feels so precise in how to make this character come to life. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing I'll gush over for this movie, it's it's his acting. It's so good. Mm-hmm. He was actually recommended for the role by Michael Attenborough, Richard's son, who saw him in a play. His paternal family is from the Indian state of Gujarat, the same state where Mohandas Gandhi was from. Oh, okay. So he actually has... Indian heritage that even locates to where Gandhi was at the same time. Hmm. And he prepared for the role by studying lots of newsreel footage. He read many books. He lost a significant amount of weight. I get Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Uh, He practiced yoga and he learned how to spin thread, just like they do in the film. That's so cool. 
right after hearing about the role, he quickly left for India to go live and steep in the culture in preparation for the role. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have that many issues learning how to spin cloth like they do in the film. But he did have a lot of problems saying his lines and spinning at the same time. Mm -hmm. So they had to to really work at that one. Kingsley looked so much like Gandhi that there were some in India that thought that he was Mohandas Gandhi's ghost. Mm -hmm. And some older members in more rural villages confused him for the actual Gandhi while he was in makeup. Hmm. Because they were like, wait, did he he come back? (laughs) So very interesting. Okay, now you got to brace yourself. Oh, okay. Because there's some who could have been betters. Oh, I mean, I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> I, I know. I, again, that's what I'm saying is like, and, and again, all of these are such good names. Mm-hmm. And every single one of them, I'm like, fuck, no. Okay. We're going to start with one that's the most laughable to me. Okay. Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Before finally deciding to take on Tootsie, he was very interested in this role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no. Ooh. Just big fat no. It would have been the exact opposite. He would have tried to dive so deep into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we have to set aside the absolute horrific racism of all of these choices that we're mm-hmm. about to talk about here. Yeah. Just from a performance perspective. Mm-hmm he would have done the exact opposite of Kingsley's performance here. There would be nothing gentle about it. Nothing subtle. (laughs) All right. The other very serious choice Mm -hmm. was Anthony Hopkins. Early on in development, Attenborough approached Hopkins to take on the role when they thought they had the financing to do the film. This was Mm -hmm. back in the 70s, I believe. Okay. Uh, When Hopkins then told his father that, you know, he'd been given the offer and he was very excited... His father on the phone said, quote, oh, it's a comedy then, is it? Unquote. I mean, that's an, ap- <laughs> an appropriate response, but dear God. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad his dad had the foresight to say, what? Come on. <laughs> come on, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, no. You're a good actor, but come on. Mm-mm. Also considered, we mentioned Alec Guinness, who was David Lean's choice for the role. Mm -hmm. Albert Finney, Peter Mm -hmm. Finch, who we talked about in Network, and John Hurt. A lot of white guys. I know. And Hurt, Hurt recalled in some discussions being asked to wear a diaper and use darkening makeup for his audition. Very very disturbed by these things i'm just take solace in the fact that the correct choice was made (laughs) i just put christ ben kingsley was the best choice thank fuck we got him yes oh my god (laughs) this movie for for all of its positives for all of the things that it does in trying to tell a nuanced story if ben kingsley is not in this role it would have been an utter fucking disaster agreed the reason that it's so successful and such a big deal is because of him. And mm-hmm. thank the fucking Lord that he was cast in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because my God, <laughs> white people are the worst. Agreed. All right, let's talk about some other main actors. There's a couple mm-hmm. more that I do want to mention here. We have Rohini Hatangadi, who plays Kasturba Gandhi, his wife. Mm-hmm. She has no other big Hollywood credit. She is a an Indian film star. Okay. 
And so, uh, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of reference and credits. She's the only other constant presence in the movie, though. Yes. So I think it's very important to mention her. I think she's very good. I don't, you're in and out with her a lot. Mm -hmm. And you're getting a lot more of Ben Kingsley's reactions to her more than anything. Sure. But she holds her own. She does. Which is hard to do when you've got a tour de force like this. Yes. Uh, She's lovely. And she has a, like, I love how in the beginning she's so like, this is ridiculous what you're asking me to do. I'm so annoyed at you. But then, like, you see that she's come around. And then, like, that scene when they're showing the marriage ceremony, they're so precious together. It's one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, my God. It really is. It's beautiful. And... You know, it's done so well. And that's that wouldn't work if she wasn't so good. Just that little ending. And then I shoved a rice cake in her mouth. <laughs> I mean, like, that's just appropriate. And like, oh, you're you're human. <laughs> like, like, it's those moments to me. I think the humor is what keeps it from being godlike in my eyes. It's like, ah, yes. he's a person. I it reminds me of that chemistry that we talked about in Garp with Mary Beth Hart and Robin Williams. Yes. Where it's your romantic chemistry is not that of like, wowzers, there's a whole lot going on here. Sure. But that chemistry of you two seem very much on the same page and in love with each other. Even if you don't always agree. <laughs> it's just you two seem very connected. Mm-hmm. And so that is a huge credit to her acting is sure. she's. She's incredibly solid in a supporting role there. Mm-hmm. The little bit bigger of a role is Rashan Seth playing Pandit Nehru. Before this, he did a lot of TV, but after this, he was in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, A Passage to India, My Beautiful Laundrette, Slipstream, Not Without My Daughter, Mississippi Masala, Street Fighter, Vertical Limit, Monsoon Wedding, Proof, and 2019's Dumbo, along with also doing a lot of Indian films. Mm, okay. What do we think of Rashan Seth in this movie? He's, I mean, he's great. And he holds his own against Gandhi as well in a completely different way than the wife, but good. Nehru's really, really interesting in this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I love his performance because going back to Lincoln, it reminds me of like the David Strathairn, the Secretary of State role hmm, of like, okay. you are such a heady person. You yeah. are so devoted to this philosophy. And I'm with you 100% on the cause. Mm-hmm. And many times the tactics. I'll, he'll go to the mat for Gandhi whenever. But behind closed doors, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? They will do anything right now. Mm-hmm. We have such momentum. Why are you stopping? Yeah. Because we're doing it the wrong way. And Nehru's just like, god damn it. <laughs> he's, he's so good at that. And the emotion that you get from him in, that, in those final scenes. When he's confronting the people, when they say, you know, kill Gandhi when they're chanting, and he just shows everyone down. Mm -hmm. This is the man who is going to be prime minister of the country in a few years. Death to Gandhi! Who dare say such things? Who? You killed me first! Come! Where are you? Kill me first! Where are you? Mm, And he's willing to just die right there at the hands of an angry mob. Mm -hmm. And you see it on his face. It's like, 
fuck you. I've been through too much with this man to let you talk about him like that. Mm-hmm. We don't always agree, but that doesn't mean that he has not been utterly and completely devoted to the freedom of everyone in this country. And I do mean everyone. I think the one fascinating thing that I read about the history was that Gandhi's stance on Muslims and Hindus living together was fairly consistent throughout his Mm -hmm. lifetime. That is something that he was very devoted to. He wanted it to be a single country with peace within all religion. Yeah. And so Seth is just so good at channeling that that feeling and emotion behind it. Mm. And end of Nehru's feeling of not worshiping him, but just considering him this incredible friend who did these amazing things. Yeah. He's very good. He's he's a, one of my sneaky favorites in the whole movie. Mm. And that is it for our main cast. Okay. Everybody else, this is a three-hour movie, and it almost exclusively centers on Ben Kingsley. Sure. So there's lots of other significant performances, but they're peppered throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. You know? So that means there are a ton of Arpons. Mm. We have Geraldine James playing Mirabane. She was in both Sherlock Holmes films that were made by Guy Ritchie and the 2019 Downton Abbey movie. Oh, okay. Ian Charlison playing Charlie Andrews. He's the priest we meet up early on. He was in Chariots of Fire the year before in a big deal role. And uh, a very fascinating, a little sad story about him is that he passed away from AIDS in 1990. Mm -hmm. He was the first major British celebrity to die from AIDS. And he requested that it be made public to promote awareness of the disease. His name has since been used for the Ian Charlison Awards, presented annually since 1991, to the best classical theater performances of actors under 30. Mm. So he has left a big impact and legacy on the industry since he left. Oh, I love that he wanted to use his death for good. So. Mm-hmm. We have Sir John Gilgood playing Lord Irwin. He's fucking acting royalty, but he's only mm. barely in the movie. <laughs> he is still outstanding with his stiff upper lip. Mm-hmm. Edward Fox playing General Dyer. He is a very legendary British actor who played M in Never Say Never Again, the unsanctioned Bond. Okay. Who could have been better for this role? Mm-hmm. Sir Lawrence Olivier. Ooh, okay. Olivier was also slated to be Lord Mountbatten in the David Lean version in 1962. Oh, okay. We have Candace Bergen appearing as Margaret Bork White. Mm-hmm. She had already appeared with Richard Attenborough in The Sand Pebbles in 1966, and that's when he offered her this role. Wow. That's how long she was connected to the movie. (laughs) That's nuts. We have Martin Sheen playing Walker. He donated his salary to charity in the wake of the film Mm -hmm. because of how much he felt solidarity with the the people involved. Gunter Maria Hallmer playing Herman Kallenbach. I mention him because we're going to see him in a significant role in Sophie's Choice. Oh, okay. Atoll Fugard playing General Smuts in South Africa. He is a very famous South African playwright who wrote Master Harold and the Boys and Sootsie. Mm-hmm. Saeed Jaffrey playing Sardar Patel. This is Billy Fish from The Man Who Would Be King. Oh, okay. Loved him in that one. Loved He's him in very that role. fun in this movie. He's does a great job. Yeah. 
Amrish Puri playing Khan. He is the main bad guy from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Okay. Richard Griffiths playing Collins. It's Vernon Dursley from the Harry Potter films. Mm-hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis in his first credited film role as Colin. That's so nuts. As a racist South African. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's a fucking extra in this movie, and you're like, that's Daniel Day-Lewis. Yep. I saw him, and I was like, oh, my God. Wow. And finally, playing an American lieutenant, Pixar legend and Cliff Clavin himself, John Ratzenberger, <laughs> with voice overdubbed by Martin Sheen. Which is so bizarre. It's, it's one of those things where I totally get it, right? Like the sound fucked up or something, you don't have time to go fix it. So we're just mm-hmm. going to get the one American actor to just overdub it. Yeah. But because it's John Ratzenberger, <laughs> you're expecting his voice. Sure. And you don't get it. Nope. So it's weird. Uh, it wouldn't have been weird then. Cheers hadn't come on the air yet, but uh, pretty quickly it would have been outdated. Let's talk about awards. Awards, okay. You know, we've had a lot of drips and drabs in this series, right? This one got nominated for some acting, this one for some things. Sure. This movie was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. I'm sorry, what? 11 Academy Awards. Wow, okay. A lot. (laughs) Yeah. It was nominated. For Best Sound, mm-hmm. Best Art Set Decoration, okay. Best Costume Design, okay. Best Makeup, okay. Best Editing, All right. Best Original Score for mm-hmm. Ravi Shankar, the very famous Indian musician who brought Indian Music West, and George Fenton, who contributed. Mm-hmm. Best Cinematography, Best Original Screenplay, okay. Best Director, Mm-hmm. Best Actor for Ben Kingsley. Sure. And Best Picture. Wow. Everything. Everything yeah. got nominated. I mean, I, I can't say I'm mad or I'm surprised. It's an epic film. It's very well done. So, yeah, okay. You know, it, here's, a, here's a film school paper for somebody to think about. Is Gandhi the last of, like, the huge historical epics? Nope. Really? Titanic. Mm, good point. That's a very good point. It's it. I but still, it took fifteen years before another one. Sure, I wouldn't call Titanic a historical epic, but it is an epic film about a historical event. Well, and I mean, so is Doctor Zhivago, right? Doctor Zhivago is a fictional romance set in the middle of a historical event. So okay, you know, when fair. we talk when we talk about an epic like that, it can totally be a fictional story or a side story as part of a bigger thing. But, you know, it is fascinating that very few of these movies get made anymore. Oh, yeah. Like, the only reason Titanic got made is because James Cameron had such a unique interest in that story. He paid for it. So you have to have somebody who's so devoted to it to get it made. Oh, sure. Because when the studio system switched over in the 70s and you had the generational switch, people were like, Nobody wants to make this kind of thing anymore. Nobody wants to do a four-hour story about this one person. Why would we do that? Why would we commit box office suicide? And it was like, because movies, that's why. Pretty much. (laughs) Because you get this. So 
Yeah, you're right. But uh, it is it is fascinating how slowly these come about anymore. And we'll see, you know, it's I'm hard pressed to think of one that's come out recently that felt so grand on the scope of this. Mm -hmm. It's weird to say it, but it's just like they don't make movies like this one anymore. But they don't. They don't. Not regularly. No. Let's talk about some trivia. Trivia. Actress Geraldine James requested an audio recording of Mirabane's voice so that she could prepare for the role. Makes sense. Okay. However, Attenborough denied it completely and said, just perform it with a straight English accent. Okay. So she, she was curious, but she, you know, did the role and performed it. And then she later discovered the reason why she was told to do that, because after having spent 34 years in India, Mirabane had converted to completely speaking in an Indian accent. She had been in the culture so long, she had lost her British accent completely, oh. and she frequently spoke in Hindi. Oh, fair. I mean, that, that, that's fair. <laughs> um, she, she fully assimilated to the culture. But it's so funny to think about it. It was like, yeah, no, that won't reflect this character at all. That's, that's appropriate, yes. <laughs> the legendary funeral scene used over 300 thousand extras mm -hmm. 200,000 were volunteers and 94,650 received a small fee through a contract they filmed it on january 31st 1981 the 33rd anniversary of gandhi's actual funeral mm -hmm. crowds were instructed to wear only white and turnstiles were installed at various entry points to allow for crowd control any items that were not white that people were wearing when they got to the funeral were were bought from the people there and they were changed into white clothes. Oh, okay. 11 crews shot over 20,000 feet of film and they pare that down to two minutes and five wow. seconds of footage. Yeah, but I get that. Like you need, you want to make sure you have it all because you only get one shot at doing that. Yep. It entered the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest number of extras, a record that is very likely never going to be matched. Interesting. I love it. CGI completely mm -hmm. removes the need for that kind of a crowd scene anymore. Sure. So this is one of the very last times you'll ever really see something like that. Sure. Uh, they originally intended to use a wax figure for the funeral instead of using Kingsley, but Attenborough saw it on screen and realized that's not going to work. So Kingsley had to remain perfectly still with his eyes closed while they threw flower petals on his face. That's kind of funny. <laughs> And at one point, Attenborough sensed the crowd was becoming a little bored and restless. You know, mm -hmm. they, you're, you're, making, you're doing long stretches, so eventually people are going to get a little antsy. So he went to his uh, trusted assistant director, David Tomblin, and said, quote, I think the crowd should spend a moment contemplating Gandhi's life and what his death means to India at this moment, unquote. Tomblin then stood up and yelled into his megaphone, quote, Right! Listen up! Gandhi's dead! You're all sad! Roll cameras! Unquote. Okay, I like it. That's appropriate direction. <laughs> that is, I don't know in the context what that works out as, but there's a level of like fucking do it attitude that I'm like, damn, I am, I am impressed. Yep. <laughs> you have 300,000 people and you just shouted that to them. Good for yep. you, man. <sighs> Gandhi's dead. You're all sad. Gandhi's dead. Roll sad. camera. Okay. I mean, there's really nothing else to say. <laughs> like, I can't even be mad. During the march to the sea, a small portion of a melody can be heard in the background. Mm -hmm. Later, 
the song fully appears over the end credits. This song is Ragupati Raghav Raja Ram, mm-hmm. titled For All Mankind for use in the soundtrack. This is a traditional tune that was one of Gandhi's favorites, and that is sung with lyrics that were written by him, a mantra of being part of the same God, united as Hindus and Muslims. The burning of British clothing was possibly an inspiration for a group of Tamil nationals pending deportation from the UK in 1987. They began to strip on the tarmac, preventing the deportation from going forward. So sometimes use those same tactics. Figure out a way. And Gandhi's final words, Oh God, are inscribed on his memorial in Hindi. That's so weird to me. That's not that weird to me. It is such a encapsulation of his life. (laughs) A devotion to the principles of his beliefs. Mm -hmm. And to to a God that he fervently believed in and a God that he believed everyone else believed in too. Sure. Uh, I think it's, I think it's weirdly such a fitting thought as like a full a philosophical moment for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though it seems like a throwaway. It's like, oh, that actually reverberates in a weird way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very fascinating. He's a fascinating man. <laughs> that leads us to ratings. Ratings. Okay. For every film, we have a specific rating system. For this one, are we gonna go with the the looms? The spinning the spinning thread? Well, um, yeah, how many looms? I like that. How many thread looms are we going to use? Since this is your movie, technically. Technically, I have seen this before. You're going to go first. I'm, I'm just going to go four. It feels like a four. It's a very good movie. It's very interesting. I think the only reason I'm giving it, I'm taking off one, is because I know that it is not entirely accurate. Um. So, uh, you know, if it had been more accurate, I made it might have gone as much as a five, but it's a four. It's it, I was never bored in a three hour movie. And that's saying something. I am also going to go for I, I have my reservations. I won't let what I found out after the movie color how I felt about the movie mm-hmm. so much as in the moment. What I did recognize was a little bit of sentimentality and a little bit of like great man storytelling, mm-hmm. which is just not my thing. I like history about exploring all the angles mm-hmm. and the facets and kind of something like a missing where it's like I'm I'm given the facts and I'm left to make my own conclusions. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of history I really like. And so for me, for this movie, it doesn't do that as much. It really tries to center and on this one person and how great they are and there are moments of honesty but it feels like it's missing a little bit of that Mm -hmm. if it didn't have that the performance is so fucking perfect from ben kingsley yeah that i I wouldn't care if i didn't feel that through the directing a little bit Mm -hmm. there's something about it that leaves a little bit of a i wish you'd have made some different choices It's a four for me as well. Okay. It's still a great movie. It's worth watching. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, let yourself enjoy it and then let yourself really understand how much deeper his life was because it was, it's so rich and fascinating and worth exploring. And so that'll be it for one big honkin' deal of a movie to another big honkin' deal of a movie. Yep. What's next? Diana, what? there's a certain subset of movies we don't typically watch on this show. 
Oh no. But we're doing it. Oh no. We're watching Sophie's Choice. Okay. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, I'm not excited <laughs> about this. For what it's worth, much has been made about a very specific scene from this movie. Mm -hmm. What I am really fascinated by and about is to see what the whole movie is. Sure. Because I know that that one scene is not the story of this movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to see how the actual main body and story of this movie really holds up. Because to me, just from the synopsis, I'm like, oh, this sounds like something far more interesting and fascinating than what we, you know, remember culturally of it. Mm -hmm. So at least we'll have that. But um, whoa. That's a lot. Uh, but before we go, we need to talk about some new movies we saw. This week we saw Uncharted. Street smart Nathan Drake is recruited by seasoned treasure hunter Victor Sully Sullivan to recover a fortune amassed by Ferdinand Magellan and lost 500 years ago by the House of Moncada. This movie is dumb and fine. This movie is dumb and boring. It is not boring. It's, it's not that boring. But I wanted more national treasure out of this movie, and I felt like I got too much mugging. I don't care. It was fun <laughs> and enjoyable, so shut it. I'm, I'm not completely displeased. I just sort of like, I, I wanted more of the national treasure you wildness. You went into it being like, this movie's going to be awful, and then you sat there being like, I don't want to like it. I don't want to like it. That's not true. I just, I, again- I always was like, I'm not going to like National Treasure. And then I was like, this is so fucking stupid. I love it. And I didn't get that same feeling from this movie. It, it just dragged a little too much for me. I'm not saying it's bad. It's good, stupid fun. But it's not as much of the stupid fun as I really would have liked. That's all. That's all. That's all I've got. Okay. Whatever. Tom Holland's amazing. We know this. He's adorable. <laughs> and him and Mark Wahlberg, very fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to like Mark Wahlberg for a lot of reasons, but but you he's know, fine. He's good in that movie. All right. Next, we saw Coda. As a Coda, child of deaf adults, Ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family. When the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music by wanting to go to Berkeley College of Music and her fear of abandoning her parents. This movie's beautiful. Everybody talked about it. I think going in, the concern with a movie like this is you're like, it's just going to be another one of those cheesy family movies. <sighs> because sometimes that's what this stuff turns into. I knew a little bit about it. I didn't. So, But what I thought was so interesting is that it really just the, the, the dynamic of the family is very different from the way other death families have been shown in media and I thought it was really interesting and just it's just so well done and so interesting I also I mean all of the deaf characters are played by deaf actors and it's just so well done and it doesn't it, it's just so lovingly done it, it resists tropes at all turns. It it really does. Which I think is what made me just swoon over it because I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for not buying into that with a family drama movie. <laughs> yeah. Like you just, they refuse to ever buy into that bullshit. Yeah. They really, 
approach it with care. This is a remake of, I believe, a French film that did not produce the film with as much care. So there mm-hmm. was an effort to fix that with this with this production. Um, and you can just feel it. And it's just really good. And then, you know, they have fun with the nuances of their family dynamics that are just you wouldn't think about until it's presented. And you can tell that that's cut that comes from living as a coda. Like your life is wildly different and it's just great. And it's, it's just, it's a beautiful film and I'm really glad it's getting such recognition. It deserves all the nominations it got specifically that screenplay and Troy Kotzer is so fucking good. Um, That's the gentleman who plays the dad. Yes. He's fabulous. He's incredible. It's a great movie. Go watch it. If you have Apple next we saw Parallel Mothers. The story of two mothers who give birth the same day. This film is a little sneaky. It's a little too long. I'm going to say that. It's a little too long. Yeah. And there, there is a story element that I really wish had been removed because it doesn't add anything. Um, but I will say it's a beautiful film and a beautiful story. Just very much trigger warning. It does involve the death of a child yes um it's not it's not graphic but it is talked about so um just know that going in uh i have never seen an almodovar film Hmm. which is sad i there's a lot of his films that i've heard about and been interested in this makes me want to fix that (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is such a sneaky good movie at initially you think it's going to be a drama and then it starts to turn into a simple little mystery. And then it's almost a soap opera, but in this really interesting, subtle way. Mm-hmm. Where like everybody, it's being filmed like a soap opera, but everyone in it is still invested as though they're real people. Sure. And then in the end, it pulls itself around to this huge, big statement. <laughs> yeah, it's just really subtle and really well done. So it's its recognition is really cool. Also being a foreign language film is awesome. Penelope Cruz is that good. She is. The, her nomination is warranted. I, I, I've only seen her a handful of times, but of course, a lot of what we get from her, what we've gotten from her in American films is much more of that like action starlet type thing. Action or just beautiful lust object. Yeah. So to see her be just so incredibly real and subtle mm-hmm. and you're just like, Oh, yeah, she's really fucking good. <laughs> yep. And I like that the synopsis doesn't give thing too much away because it's a very, it's a movie you shouldn't find out a lot about other than that trigger warning that we do give. Yeah. Very good movie. If you can catch it before it runs out of theaters, I highly recommend. Yeah. And finally, you saw... Death on the Nile. While on vacation on the Nile, Hercule Poirot must investigate the murder of a young heiress. So I saw this with David's mom because <laughs> we just wanted to have a good time. Uh, this was this is fun. <laughs> I'll be honest. I had no clue that this film was actually happening. It was just completely off my radar. It was filmed at the end of 2019. <laughs> and then the pandemic pushed it back. And then all the drama with the cast involved. Like, I love there are so many articles about how like this film became a PR person's nightmare because yep. Gal-, Gal Gadot, Army Hammer, uh, Letitia Wright, Russell Brand, 
And like now Kenneth Branagh, who is the lead of the entire film and directed it, is not does not want to do any press for it because he's got Belfast, which so you totally understand. <laughs> but <laughs> so like going into this, like this film is doomed. It's got to be a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. And the film itself is enjoyable. It is way too long. Um, (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Murder on the Orient Express is also long, but you have to get involved in what's happening. They have to tell us what's going on. This film, we're showing up to a Puerto joint. You should not, it should not take as long as it does for someone to die. (laughs) For a crime to happen. We're here for a whodunit. You introduced all the characters. We know why everyone's a suspect. We know who the various targets could be. Now someone's got to get murdered. Come on. It <laughs> took too long to get to that point. And I, that, that is my chief complaint about the film. My favorite thing is that it gave us a little bit of Poirot backstory, which I don't know if it's true to the novels or not, because I've never read one. And it was very enjoyable. So it's great. I'm here for it. If you <laughs> if you like it, if you like the Poirot thing, watch it. Otherwise, eh. maybe wait till this one hits streaming. We saw it on five dollar night, so we did not pay full price of this film. Oh, I think hey, that was there you go. I think that was the correct amount of money to pay for it. <laughs> uh, there is there is a seventy eight version. There was a seventies version they did. So oh, it'd be okay. interesting to to check that one out sometime. It may have to. It may have to. I, you know, no, I'll I'll, again, I will sit down and watch this when it does come to streaming at some point, just as Mm a let's just turn something on so that I don't have to pay attention to. But uh, I don't care. (laughs) Well, until next time, have a good movie. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.